I love Section 8. I've had some terrible experiences, uh, and I've had some really good experiences, but the terrible experiences were my own fault for not being educated, knowing what to do and how to manage these things correctly. And so I learned and grew and fixed it, and now I love it. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, Marco here. I really wanted to share with you our earlier podcasts that we created. Now, our mics were not the best, but the content was really strong. And I know you will learn a lot. We had an absolute blast recording this, and I know you're absolutely going to love it as much as we loved recording it. This extremely content-rich information will not only give you the edge in your real estate investing business, but in everyday life. Enjoy. Okay, welcome back to another episode where we're going to discuss Section 8, or the voucher program, a program that was created not too long ago in the 1930s during the Great Depression, where the government was involved in social housing. Uh, they actually owned the real estate, realized that they were terrible at managing things, and uh, decided to uh, go into the private sector and allow uh, homeowners to open up their doors to uh, their tenants that were in the Section 8 program, and of course now is called the Voucher Program. We're going to discuss the pros and the cons, the goods and the bads and the uglies of dealing with uh, Section 8 or Voucher Program tenants. I actually had one for my uh, one of our homes we had in Florida, near Tampa, where they came. And that was the first time I think I've ever been. I heard about Section 8. I, I know the surroundings. So maybe we should talk about what exactly they, they do. Who qualifies for Section 8? So like how does someone get involved? You explained why. Like I know in Canada, I think maybe in Montreal too. or, or Montreal, Montreal, Montreal is Canada. part of Canada. I mean, I know uh, in Ontario. Well, yeah, I know they want sometimes Quebec City is debatable. But I know in Ontario, uh, you're right. The government had the real estate, had the building, mm -hmm. and they put people in there that they were experiencing financial hardship. They weren't they, they like could, welfare. Uh, it's like a welfare, so mm -hmm. it's a handout, and and they are terrible at managing the property and the repairs and all mm -hmm. that, whatever. So. They didn't go to the voucher system, but in the U.S., I find that actually it's a very good system. So it maybe is. we want to elaborate a little bit sure. on well, that. How do uh, they qualify? How do they get it? So it's a federal program. It's basically HUD that gives a budget and it trickles down to uh, different local communities. I have quite a bit of property in Chicago. The CHA is Chicago Housing Authority, uh, basically gets funding from HUD. And then they disperse to people that are on the list that are qualified for, uh, for housing. And sometimes they qualify for 100% of the rent. Sometimes it's 100% of the rent plus utilities if it's written well in the lease. Sometimes it's half or a percentage of, so they'll cover everything but five bucks. The, uh, the, the tenant yeah. is obligated to pay at $5. least $5. Uh, and then there's, you know, where they're paying, the HUD is only paying like 20 bucks or 30 bucks. So there are a lot of variations on why and how it works, but there's generally a waiting list. Uh, at one point uh, in Chicago, there was a three-year waiting list for HUD meaning that if you had to wait three years in order to get a place to live, like you qualified for housing, but there was no housing available. And I think now it's about a year. It's gone down uh, significantly, but there was incentives to get more homeowners to give their properties to into the HUD program. And in order for that to happen, there are three things that have to qualify. One is obviously the tenant has to be eligible and on the list or have the ability to get a voucher. So if they're not in the voucher program, you can't get a voucher tenant in that way. 
Two is the house has to qualify or the domicile or the property. We have a property in Mississippi that is mostly HUD tenants. Yeah. And HUD inspector goes in to make sure that it qualifies. It's safe housing. Like it can have holes in the walls, receptacles with wires hanging out, mm-hmm. has to have a smoke alarm, screens on the windows, uh, things that are on their checklist. And if it doesn't, they'll say, sorry, it doesn't qualify. And here are the things that you need to fix in order for us to accept one of our people to live in here. So it's actually quite good. And the beauty of this is you can get a free home inspection, literally. Yeah. Uh, someone will come in and inspect the whole property and say, okay, these are the 95 things that need to be fixed for this to qualify for HUD. Now, they're not going to crawl. You know, we've discussed this on prior, yeah. prior episodes. You're not going to crawl into the attic and underneath to see what's cooking there. But at least if it can't pass a HUD inspection, your property's probably not... It's, it's not livable. It's not going to yeah. be something that we're going to want to buy. If, it's not, if it can't pass HUD inspection... We're not interested in buying it. Uh, that's kind of the bare minimum status. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got into a mobile home park where there was, you know, sewage that was leaking. It, it was disgusting. It was absolutely, the animals wouldn't even live there. That was it, was, it, was, it was terrible. And we got out of that deal zippity quick because it was not something that we would, we were okay with having our name on such well, a. Well, I think we, well, that one we actually called the authorities on ourselves because I realized that some tenants didn't want to leave. And we said, this is a health risk. Yeah. And it was. And, it's, it's, and it, we didn't want that on our watch. And we no. they didn't want to leave. So I was like, they got to leave. We ended up phoning the health officials yeah. on ourselves and saying, hey, this property is not fit for people to live. It's not habitable. Yeah. You literally had to clean up the, the infrastructure. It, it was disguised well when we bought it as management. Yeah. One of our partners was the manager on that. It was just terrible. Anyway, we, we shut it down yeah. and, and we, we got out of that. But if HUD won't do it, we won't do it. That's basically a, the minimum standard that we're looking for. And the third is you have to have management that can qualify as well for HUD, or you might have to qualify. And in some cases you don't, but you have to have property management or ownership that has taken a class like 40 hours. And I haven't taken the class. You haven't taken the class. You haven't taken the class or a licensed property manager that can do. Uh, usually they have. So that's one of the questions in asking a property management team is, are you experienced with dealing with HUD? Very important because the beauty of having a Section 8 tenant is the money is wired to your account or a check is issued without fail. Like they are never late. And the biggest issue with collecting rents is collecting collecting rents. (laughs) And it's never late. Whether you like it or not, you can't stop the money. The money's going to be there, period. Under no circumstances are they ever late. They're always, it's Mm -hmm. like clockwork. The money's always there. So I love Section 8 tenants or voucher tenants. Now, Understand that there has to be good management of any tenant because if the tenant isn't managed well, the tenant will manage you. And you do not want to be managed by your tenants. They're going to tell you when to pay, which is never. Uh, They're going to call the authorities on you, like they'll punch a hole in the wall and then call HUD and say, there's holes in my wall. You know, it's not livable. So you have tenants that are very that know the laws way better than we ever will. Yeah, and this is where your manager comes into play. And and I know that at at this Mississippi property you're talking about, like our manager has relationships with everybody in the county, including the rep for for HUD there. So the good news with that is that whenever we have a tenant leave, well, he can go directly there to HUD and, and tell him, listen, we got a vacancy over here. Do you have someone for us? And then they'll send us a tenant, which has a voucher, which comes with guaranteed income. It's very important to have that relationship. And the other thing is, is that if your manager is really good at that and really good at the relationships, when a tenant calls and complains about that specific property, they'll know whether or not that's a shitty complaint or not, because they actually know the manager and they know what type of work ethic they have and how they do business. 
Yeah. So actually, when we had our house in Tampa, near Tampa, and someone came, it was a widower. They came, they had two kids, mm-hmm. and they came with the voucher, and they go, do you accept Section 8 voucher for whatever? And, and it was subsidized, so it wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. She had to pay, I think, 200 bucks or whatever. But based on their current income, based on their family size household, they have a certain allowance, like you mentioned. And at that point, I wasn't too familiar with it. I knew about it, but I wasn't too familiar. And they are local HUD reps that you yep. phone and say, okay, come and take a look at the property. But the biggest shocker for me was, I guess, because the conception is you think that people on the HUD program, the voucher program, Mm. that there's these nasty, dirty, irresponsible people. But it's not like that, actually. It's just people that are just down on their luck. They need help. Uh, They have financial hardships. And in this particular case, she's a widower. Her her husband died, who was the breadwinner for the household. She had two kids. Uh, She was working, but not enough to provide housing for her kids and herself. There's also the fact that the program is structured in such a way that these tenants want to stay in the program. And if they don't pay or they're like a blacklist type of tenant, they're just going to be removed from the program. And they, I don't know how long, can they actually get back on it? I think the other ways are redeeming yourself. But if, again, you don't want to be managed by your tenants. So we have, in our leases, we have uh, inspections every six weeks that we're allowed to go in at any time into the property. Every six weeks without you know them approving it. We can just walk in. They're, they're going to get a 24-hour notice right. uh, that we're going in the next day or within, usually we, within a seven-day, you know, we'll give a seven-day notice that we're coming in, but we have a key and we're going to go in. They can't say no. Mm-hmm. We have access to the premises with notice at any time. That's in the lease. Uh, if they don't like it, they don't have to stay there. We don't want a meth lab going in there. We don't want them destroying the property. And we discussed this on previous episodes. We take pictures and inventory of what everything looks like before they move in. They sign off on it. And if we walk in and there's holes on the wall, there's a meth lab in the corner and there's things that are illegal or they're starting to hoard in ways where it's actually unsafe and it's a fire hazard, mm-hmm. we can give them a period of time to remedy that or it's cost for eviction. So it's not just because they haven't paid. They're not basically following or complying within the the agreement that we've created and and then if they don't we can say listen we're going to let hud know that you're violating your lease and if you violate your lease you're kicked out of the program and then they're not going to be able to get another property i think they have to go like to the bottom of the list that's what i'm saying and if there's a waiting list of a year a year and a half you're used to getting your rent subsidized you're going to become very compliant Yeah, because now you're going to be depending on your own money fully to pay fully for the rent I think another cool thing about Section 8 is that you can get approved for a slightly higher than market rent, you know, versus what you would get from someone I, else. I, in, on, uh, in Chicago, I can get sometimes $1,600 for something I could only get $1,200 or $1,250 for on a market rent. So they pay higher than market rent. Is that just bad times. accounting? Is that the... Well, yeah. You don't ask questions, man. You, well, it's... <laughs> I know it's government, but... Well, here's the uh, thing is, you know, HUD gets... Uh, has taxes a, on your income, so... HUD gets a budget and they have to spend the money and if mm-hmm. they don't spend the money, they, they, lose, yeah. they lose their funding. <clears throat> so they have to spend and... No, there's, no, there's, they have their own rules. Yeah, gotcha. whatever yeah, they, rules. They got to yeah. spend in order to get more next year. If they don't, they're going to reduce that budget. Exactly. They're, they're going to get less a year after. So again, that's not in every area. In, right. in some, uh, we get less than market rent. Some we get market rent plus 5%, 10%. Uh, some, they're very generous. It just depends on the area. But you still have to screen your tenants if they're Section 8. It's like anything else. Um, Section 8 just offers a service of helping to pay. It doesn't mean that all the tenants in Section 8 are bad or all the tenants are good. You have to have your property management screen these tenants to see if they have been evicted in the past, to see if they have a rap sheet, to see if they're, uh, I remember a call from Linda once, uh, your, you know, your wife, hey, um, this guy is a, you know, was in prison for murder, should we you know, rent to the guy? I'm like, Frank, well, you wanted to rent the place? You know, no, no, so, so if, 
It, it went back 27th. I don't even know it went back that long, but he did get, he was incarcerated it was for, for murder. For wow. murder, you know, like so 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So you ago. have to make a decision like 25 years ago, you know, he served his time. Do we want yes or no? Has he had any other crimes between then? Like, again, it's you have to screen the tenant. Everyone has the ability to do good or bad. And you just, depending on what kind of operation you want to run, I like, listen, I have a mobile home park and it's only sex offenders that live there because I can charge more rent. It's in the middle of nowhere and all the sex offenders are easy to find because they're on a list. So, and I can charge, you know, a 35% premium because it's a sex offender park and they're all there. And the community actually applauds it because they're not near schools, parks, libraries, you know, there's there's a whole lot, list of things and, and, they know where they are. and they, it's, they're all in one place. I'm serving the community in that way. So I don't have a problem with necessarily what someone's past is. I just want to make sure that they're in the right property for the right reason, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So with Section 8, also, if they're supposed to pay $5, right, and they don't pay that $5, yes. I used to think it's fine, it's only 5 bucks. But if you don't collect that $5 and evict them over 5 bucks, because you can't evict, right? If they don't pay, they can evict. Yeah. You can evict. You You're actually defrauding the government. And you could be banned from the Section 8 program. So That's you have right. to be very careful not to, to not break the rules. If the government says that you have to collect five bucks, you got to collect five bucks or they're gone. You have to follow the rules, which at first shocked the hell out of me. I'm like, who, who cares about five bucks? So I'd rather get the free money it. from the government, yeah. right? And the terrible thing is, guess who's going to report you for you not collecting the five bucks? It's the guy that's not paying that says, paying let it slide. Yep, yep. So you get in trouble because you are going to get in trouble. You know, ask me why I know this. You know, I've, I've gone through this. So it's important for you to know the rules in Section 8, and it's a beautiful program. You just have to know what you're doing, or the management has to have experience if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's a license to basically get free money. On uh, time. On time. Sometimes, in most cases, I'd say in most cases, more than market rent. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, it's, it's a, a, it's a pool of tenants. It's a pool of leads. And, and actually, it offers a good service to those that are on the voucher system, unlike in Ontario, where you can only go to the community housing. If it's located yeah. on this street, on this block, you have to live there. That's right. uh, it's an affordable the, housing program. But the program that they have here is I choose to live in Wesley Chapel or I choose to live mm-hmm. in Temple Terrace or in uh, Tampa itself or whatever. So I have my options if I was in that situation. Uh, and I don't wish anyone upon that situation, but shit happens and people have uh, a hardship at different times and things happen. So that flexibility for that tenant and having offering a pool of tenants to you. You can fill a house like this. Uh, yeah. Fill up a, a uh, whole you know, community. Yeah. You, no, you know, 50 units can be filled like this. And there's more than just uh, Section 8. There's other government programs yeah. or other even charities that will help fill your property. The VA has uh, programs as well where another in another mobile home park, the VA uh, likes one bedrooms. They mm-hmm. like one bedroom properties. And these mobile homes usually have you know, you can have two bedrooms, one on one side, one on the other side. So you can convert the mobile home, divide it in half, and you can get $725 for each side. And they're one bedrooms. So instead of getting $800 for the whole unit, you can now get $1,500 per unit because you have two people living there. There's all sorts of things that you can do to capitalize and serve a community and serve people that want a safe place to live, taking advantage of the, uh, the government programs that are available, and even the grants that are available, which yeah. is something that we're not even going to get into on this episode, that you can tap into. There's billions of dollars, maybe trillions of dollars of free money from the government that's not being used every year. They have these grants that are just there, sitting there, money waiting to be used that no one's tapping into. All you have to do is apply for them. 
and you can get th these things. Yeah. So understand that there's a world of cool shit that's available that you just have to learn to tap into. And Section 8 is, is one of them. There's a lot of myths around it, a lot of fear. I love Section 8. I've had some terrible experiences uh, and I've had some really good experiences, but the terrible experiences were my own fault for not being educated, knowing what to do and how to manage these things correctly. And so I learned and grew and fixed it. And now I love it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So if you have any other questions on Section 8 and how to cash in on it and how to uh, do the best that you can using the program, send me an email, marco at marcokozlowski.com. Love to help you. See you on the next episode. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.